Moisture, that would be how much water, moisture you have, obviously. You know, if you're in a situation where you don't have enough out west, um, I don't know if any of you are from out west, but when you get out west, in Colorado where we were, we got about 12 to 15 inches of rain a year. It's a net, what they call a net evaporative area. In other words, water evaporates out. It doesn't percolate down. It doesn't infiltrate and go down into the groundwater. It evaporates out. The problem with that is, is that when it, whatever mineralization, whatever breakdown of minerals happens, when the water evaporates out, the water leaves the soil and it leaves all those minerals behind. And so you wind up with way more minerals than you need. And uh, you can talk to somebody, if you, if you run into him, Sean Spidell at, at uh, Daystar Academy, their farm there, Castle Valley Farm. They have way more minerals than they need in some respects, and in other respects, they don't have enough. They're deficient. Um, but that's typical out west. It actually, the plow layer, the plow layer out west is actually a little, they use a, a 2 million pounds as the average weight of a plow layer when they're doing soil analysis. But out west, a lot of those soils actually are heavier. It's probably more like 2.2 million pounds per plow layer because, because of the higher mineralization that's taken place in those soils because of their, they're, not, they're not weathered as much from the rain as, the, as they are out where there's higher rainfall. But we only had about 12 to 15 inches of rain, so we had to irrigate using groundwater to, um, to achieve, you know, to provide enough water. And if we didn't put enough water on, Remember, we were, we, we, I personally, where I was last, our home was at 7,000 uh, feet in elevation. And the solar intensity at 7,000 feet in elevation, where we had 300 days of sunshine a year. It, it was, you know, we very rarely had a cloudy day, or if we did, it wasn't for very long. Um, so the solar intensity was pretty intense. Uh, and so we needed even more water. When somebody would say, well, you need about an inch a week, we'd need two just to try to keep the, the hydration, the, the proper hydration of the soil and the plant. Uh, but we needed even beyond that to, to keep water moving down as much as we could um, because we, uh, otherwise it would come up and it would bring minerals up and leave them in the, up on the surface. And so you have different challenges when you get out west in a low rainfall area. That's a stress on the growing system and you come out east here where you're in a higher rainfall area, you've got the opposite stress. You've got too much rain coming. You've got the combination of cloud cover, which is reducing light, and re so it's reducing energy production through photosynthesis. But you also have saturation of the ground more often. And if you were in here for the water one, you want capillarity. What capillarity is, is it means the water, it, it's at its optimum level in the soil but it also, it's not just the optimum level, it can move. As water is pulled by the root off of the, out of that capillary, capillary water, the water will move because of the, the electrical attractions there. It'll move and, and equalize along those, those electrical gradients along there, and so water can move. And the other, th the other reason you want capillarity like that, and the, the porosity to get as deep as you can because of the tidal influences. Uh, the gravitational influences. You, you want water to come up. You want when water comes up, it pushes air out. It, it, you know, with the tidal influences, and when it goes down, it pulls air back in. Uh, we were just—I was just talking to somebody about the the Ellen White planting method and whether they needed to put the tile in the bottom. Well, one of the reasons for putting that tile in the bottom of the hole is so that soil—it's like you us breathing in and out. That enhances the breathability of, the, of that soil to breathe, and so. 
when the, then the pull of the earth is heavier, gravitational pull of the earth is heavier, it breathes in. And then when the gravitational pull of the moon has its influence, or the sun, um, then it breathes back out. There's more pull this way, and so it, it pulls the water up a little bit, and it, and it, it creates a breathing effect mm-hmm. of the soil where you can keep um, uh, air in that soil properly. You're going to see when we get to the end of this that proper soil construction and proper porosity and capillarity are the solutions to, to conferring life. And if the, to the extent that you have them, you have more life. To the extent that you don't have them, you have less. And these are just all factors that are influencing that. The chemistry influences it, and, and the environmental influences, environmental influences also play a role in it. Um, but you also have saturation of the ground. And depending on how por- porous that soil is, um, it was just shared with me, you know, they were out doing the hole for, the, for planting the tree, and they filled it with water, and it didn't go anywhere. They just created a little pond. Uh, and they went ahead and filled the stuff in. Well, the problem is um, that method, under the wrong conditions, will not be as beneficial as if it's under the right conditions. Digging the hole, put, you know, broke it up and put some air into it. That'll last for a little while. But if you're in a high rainfall area, you're just, you just created a, a, a pond right there in the soil. And so the rain's going to fall in there and it's going to infiltrate and it's going to fill it up and saturate it. And however long it takes it to get out of there, um, it's determined how long and how deep those roots will be able to go, even though, even though you opened it up by digging it. And the objective was, it's just like mechanical tillage. Um, some soils are going to be more favorable to that benefit, that effect. And other soils are just not going to work so well with it. I, my farm I have up in Kentucky, we dug holes like that. And uh, it rained, and so we had to stop working on the process of planting trees. And I went back up there to check them, and they're full of water. So I have to go in, and I have to, I have to change those conditions. Because if I just go and I apply that method of planting, those trees are not going to grow very well. They're not going to grow any better than, except we put fertility in there. It's also a, 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 plays a role in that. Um, but if I don't go in there and change those conditions so that water is going to drain out of there, those trees are just going to stay small. Once they hit that wall of water, in a high, if you're in an uh, area out west somewhere where you don't have the rainfall, it won't be a factor. But if, uh, if you're out east here where you get 50 inches of rain a year, it's going to have an adverse impact on you. So it always comes back, uh, these techniques, these methods, a lot of the, the inputs that you could put in, they're all relative to the right character of that soil. And that's true of life with us. If the character's not right, a lot of the things that go on around us or a lot of the things that we could benefit from or not benefit from, um, they just, it's not consistent with some people. And that's why we can't look to each other. First of all, we have to understand that the foundation is a right character. And then everything else flows out of that. A right character produces right action, and that changes that changes a whole lot of stuff. Um, so, we're uh, you know I'm, I'm saying that because we're not I'm not critical of that process that method. But when I share tomorrow about the parable of the sower, um, I think you're going to hear it differently than you've ever heard it before. But there are right conditions. The problem was the conditions 
are wrong. And they're illustrated in that parable. And the Spirit of Prophecy points out that there's a whole lot more to that parable than we ever gain the benefit of. I hope you'll gain a little bit more benefit from it tomorrow. Well, one of the things you could, one of the immediate things you could do, uh, somebody asked me yesterday with the, with, you know, if you have a heavy, I think it was Alan that asked me, if you had a heavy clay layer, you get down, it's two feet down, you get down there. Well, if you, you want it to be able to move laterally, but there are, there are short-term methods like using a soil conditioner that will break the surface tension in the soil. But as I said yesterday, if, if you use that technique, it's only a temporary thing, and you've got to be careful how you use it, because I gave the illustration yesterday, for those of you who weren't in here, of a landscaper who used it where he, in California where he was. You couldn't dig but a half inch into the soil before it was hard, hard, hard. Who was it was sharing me about their soil? You weren't, wasn't you sharing that his soil's like that? You go down. You cannot hammer a soil probe into it. You'll break them right and left. You've got to reinforce them and hammer them with a weighted mallet to try to get it in there. Um, that's the state of some of our lives. It's, it's, um, some of them are so all over the place, and some of them are so hard that you couldn't get a... The truth couldn't penetrate us if, if it wanted to. Um, and that's one of the conditions in the, that are illustrated in the parable of the sower at the wayside. Um, so you can use that, but he, he put too much on, you know, the idea if, it's something, if it's something's good, more is better, you know, that myth. Um, he did, and all the customers' trees fell over. It got windy. You know, out in California, you can get windy. This was in the Palm Springs area. You can get winds out there, and, and uh, it got windy, and every, it blew every one of their trees over right out of the ground because the surface tension wasn't there that helps to hold the roots, hold the soil together. Um, but there are methods that would do it. I would, I would analyze. Like I said, up in my soil, it's the same thing. I've got areas where it's the same thing. So you have to figure out whether the conditions. I would analyze the soil and see what can I do so that from there out, we're getting better conditions, but then you might use a short-term method like soil conditioner or something to get the water to move through. Um, you couldn't continue to do that too aggressively as a tree grew because, you know, if you're in an area with wind, you might get, wow, this tree's great, and then all of a sudden you get this unusual weather that you don't normally have in your area, and heavy wind comes through, and you go out, and your apple tree or whatever it is is laying on the ground. So, But there are there are ways of... Um, overcoming that, but you know, I've been asked about like using compost tea and the biological method. There's all different ways to come at this, but we've got to get to the foundation first. All of these things are valuable in their place, in their priority, and so we just have to be sure that we get the foundation correct, and then from there on up, just like I said about the biology, that's the final key. If you get all the other things right ahead of it, then that biology is going to just change the, the conditions. It's, going to, it's, going to, it's the unseen agency is what I call it. I think things start happening in our lives when we get to that point that, that God, the, the, the things start working together for good in our lives in ways that we don't see as a result of that. Did that answer your question sufficiently? That, that would be not, you know, not knowing more. I would want to know as much about it as I could. And then if I have to use a short-term technique like that, it's like, it's like uh, conventional health care. You know, it's not solving the problem, but it's buying you time. And so I would call it that type of an intervention. You don't want to stay with that intervention because eventually it's going to do harm, um, continue with that type of intervention. If you, had sloping you could. You could put a, 
a French drain in, I would want to change the conditions in the soil. Um, but, I mean, that could be a temporary solution, but I would still want to do, do the other. If you can get it conditioned down to a certain depth where it'll start going laterally under, underground, that's what happens with springs, you know. With, ground used to be open enough that water would infiltrate, and it would work its way down through, and it would get to bedrock or whatever, and then start working laterally, and it'd start coming out as springs. There used to be springs all over the place up in Kentucky there. Oh, the old-timers told me it's, creeks used to run all the time. They're not doing it. Now the water, it rains, and it all just floods off and, and uh, wreaks all kind of havoc and everything when you get heavy rains and stuff. So That's what happens. Springs are a good indicator to some degree of permeability. Some degree. It's also, you know, what the overall structure of geolo geology is in the area. But um, you want infiltration. You want the water to go in, not off because then you, you risk erosion and, and damage as a result of that. Um, again, okay, wind, uh, did, did, was it sufficient what I said about moisture? See, you know, the conditions that when usually the moisture's coming, you get the cloud cover, lower photosynthesis, less energy, um, your, your porosity in the soil is all, is all filled up with water a lot more often, and that's, if, you're, if your water, if the, if the ground is saturated, that's when those anaerobic, bacteria start working. Uh, if you've ever noticed after it's, you've been waterlogged for a while, then your plants just don't seem to be doing very well. It's because all the nitrogen that was available in the soil was denitrified. And it went back in, at anaerobic conditions. It was denitrified and went back into the air as nitrogen gas. And so you lost it. Um, and that's a stress. That's a, that's a, uh, a, a chemical, a nutrient stress on the plant because now it lost its resource. And now it has to rebuild that resource again. And so it's going to be stressed for a while until it can get that full resource. Uh, then you have, you have wind or the lack of wind. Sometimes a gentle breeze is good uh, where you're moving the air. A lot of times in a greenhouse, if you don't have, that's why they'll put the circulate, the horizontal airflow fans in there to get air movement. A lot of the problems you can have in the canopy of the plants where you start getting white flies or mites, stuff like that, is particularly white flies, the CO2 level in the canopy is too low. The plant has taken up a huge amount of the CO2 that's available in the canopy, and it doesn't have enough CO2 to continue the photosynthesis. And that creates the stress that brings on the white flies. You're going to see that all of the symptoms that come in of dysfunction are a result of dysfunction. <laughs> um, and so they'll put those circulating fans. So a, a gentle breeze is a nice thing because it's, it's moving the air and it's keeping, keeping the, the, uh, the levels of carbon dioxide equivalent with it. We're not looking at it that way. We're looking at oxygen in there. But um, the plants, are want, they want that, that canopy around the plant. Now, the canopy is a good thing if you've got good soil systems going because as that organic matter breaks down, some of that carbon is going to volatilize back up as carbon dioxide. It's heavy. So it moves slow. So it slowly works its way up into the canopy of the plant, and it's like it's being supplied with a higher level. There's, there can be an, actually a higher level of CO2 in the plant canopy as a result of proper carbon management and function in the soil. And so that actually increases growth because of the, you're, you're doing exactly what the uh, commercial greenhouse is doing by injecting CO2 in the atmosphere to raise its concentration. If your if you're organic matter, if your decay system, you're, you're digestive system is working, your biological system is working well, then that carbon dioxide is coming up out of the soil into the canopy and increasing the concentration in the canopy so that you can accelerate growth. 
Um, I remember talking to a guy, you know, if, you, if you talk to the, the experts about greenhouse growing, you know it's all going to concrete floors and sanitation, sterilization. You've got these rooms you've got to go through and put the booties on and, and step, in the, step in the chlorine water and put the, shirt, the jacket on and, and all these things. And yet there's a guy, well, I don't know if you at Malcolm Beck, some of you may have heard of him. He said he, he knew a guy and he said, the more organic matter I've got in the soil, the better everything grows. It's the opposite of what people are being told. But when the system is functioning right, if it's dysfunctional, that can, it can be a disease sink. And that's what they're paranoid about. But if it's functioning right, it actually becomes a, a, a blessing where you, that carbon on the floor of the, of the greenhouse is, is decomposing and, and filling that canopy with that extra carbon dioxide that you get increased growth with. And inter, increased energy, the plant functions at a higher level. Um, but the opposite problem, you know, when it's really still, of course, that's what I'm talking about. If it's really still, you don't get air exchange in the canopy as well as you, you would like to. Of course, if you've got 20 mile an hour winds all the time, that's, that's um, it's desiccating the plant. It's causing uh, moisture stress on the plant. So again, energy is diverted from growth, maturity, and reproduction to stress management, um, compensating for the fact that it's, it's having to pull more moisture than that would normally have to do in order to function, and all of, all of those resources get pulled away from from actually being productive. So again, if you can if you can eliminate that, but all of these things also tell you again the condition, the conditions that you have. The soil is going to be where you're going to deal the most with these and buffering these. You want fully functional soil because that's going to give you a fully functional plant that has extra energy, that has extra resources. So when these stresses are, are imposed on it, which a lot of times we can't avoid, we're, we're, we're in the world. We don't have to be of it, but we're in the world, and you can't, you can't necessarily escape all of the influences that, that are in there. The, in the extremes, I tell you, driving down the road anymore, I guarantee you can't avoid them anymore. Um, so pressure is really, you're just, you're just changing the barometric pressure, which changes the atmospheric con uh, conditions and all that kind of stuff. It, it, and uh, so I'm not going to spend a lot of time on that. Um, I'm already, I'm already um, disciplined for being too complicated. So, um, you know, the, the way I explained it to I, I, I have some people tell me that. Well, the way I explained it to them is it's just like the parable of the sower. People are in certain, they're, they're in different places. Their, their condition is, is different. And so the, you might have one person that's, that's wanting to learn, and they understand, like that good soil. And they're soaking in and, and understanding everything you're saying. And in the, same, in the same environment, this is what happened to Jesus. That's what he was explaining to them. Uh, you might have people that have the wayside condition. It's just hitting and bouncing off. Um, because, you know, they're, you know, they're so hard, hardened by the, uh, the influences of the world it's not receptive. And Jesus even said that. Seeing, they don't see. Hearing, they don't hear. And, um, and you know, then there are people in between who, and so there's, there's different personalities. There's different levels of presentation and everything. So I apologize to anybody if it's too, if it's too complicated. But there are different people that God's given different people to listen to. And sometimes listening to somebody else can... Uh, you can appreciate it uh, 
because it's at a little bit uh, more, I don't want to say it that way, I don't want to be derogatory, but a more simplistic way. I mean, it's just in a more basic way things are being said, or they just say it in a different way, um, and you can appreciate it the way that they're saying it. But I will tell you uh, the same thing I told them. It's hard work, <laughs> folks. It's hard work. You have to act towards this. We are, we are w way behind in understanding and, and knowledge. The Bible says, my people perish for a lack of knowledge. And so it was over my head. <laughs> and so, but I, uh, I invested. We, I've said this, I think I said this in here. We have two spiritual currencies. We all, we all have the same thing. Yeah. It's our time and our attention. And what are you going to spend your time on? And what are you going to pay attention to? You know, and that's what it comes down to. And a lot of people just don't want to do the work. It's, it's hard. It's hard to, to self-examine. It's hard to, to try to understand and make sense of what's going on. And I wish I could tell you it's different than that, but it's not. But I'll tell you that the blessings that come from it, when you do begin to know and understand, you can act differently. And the, and the, the fruits of that are saved lives. Restoring waste places is the theme is. Okay, um, the other the other uh, thing we need to look at is contaminants. Uh, if you have, you, you can't completely avoid this one because you can have contaminants flowing in with the wind and the rain that came from 500 miles away, 1,000 miles away, uh, and everything. So again, this is not a thing that you can completely control. But it's good to be mindful of it, it and in particular if. You've got, a, say, a glass plant upstream from you, upwind. Well, you may have to be concerned about manganese levels, oxidized manganese levels that are going to come flowing in with the wind and the rain and, and everything. And we could go through a whole host of different things that, that can bring influences with them. Um, but it's just a matter of being mindful about the fact that contaminants can be coming from different places. They can come in on the fertilizers you're using, the compost that you're using. They can, come in, they can come in on implements that you borrow from somebody. Um, and so it's just a matter of being mindful of it. Again, what is the solution to this? You are not going to stop this. I, I, did I share with you the fellow from Maine and the contaminants? Let me just share it again. I'll do it real quick. It's not the, the farmer from Maine that everybody knows about. It's another one. And, and their family had farmed naturally. They had never used any chemicals on their farm for generations. They never had any chemicals on it. And he was reading an article about blood contaminants, you know, because he was concerned with health and everything. And so he was curious about it. He figured, well, you know, we've been natural the whole time. We haven't, you know, utilized a lot of these materials and everything. And, and so he was curious. He figured his blood was probably pretty clean. So he went in and he got a blood test done to see what contaminants he had. And he had all of the top ten blood contaminants everybody else had. So we live in a contaminated world, and whether it's certified organic or not, it's contaminated. Hopefully it just means if somebody is attempting to not use, they're at least trying to eliminate using those things, that you've got a little bit better odds of having fewer contaminants uh, in the environment. But what is the solution to this again? The solution to this is proper soil construction, the right character. What happens when you have proper soil construction 
as a plant can put its roots into, if you have some clean ground at least for it to work in, functional ground, it can put its roots into that ground and be so well nourished that it can exclude contaminants and it can remove contaminants. It, can, it controls itself. Let's put it that way. So many of us are out of control. Everything's coming in and out. It's like leaky gut syndrome. That's about the way a lot of our lives are, where there's no control over the internal environment. And, but when you have a fully functional soil, the plant becomes fully functional, and it controls what comes in and what goes out. And, and that's, again, the solution to this, to this issue, because you're not going to escape it. God called us to be separate. He did not call us to isolate ourselves. And separation means that you're ordering your life. You know, I think that we misunderstood Jesus when they came to him, the Pharisees came to him, and they, they said, who should we obey, God or, or Caesar? And Jesus asked for the coin. He said, whose inscription's on the coin? And they told him, Caesar's. And he said, well, render to Caesar what's Caesar's, and render to God what's God's. Well, was he telling us to be, continue to be syncretic? in our lives, or was, he, was his real message there, order your lives, render to God what is God's. Well, are we God's or are we not? And the more that we'll render ourselves to God, and the less we render ourselves to Caesar, the whole lot better we'll be off. And we won't get in trouble with Caesar, because, you know, if we're, if we're obeying God, you know, we're not going to be doing harm to people. So. Okay, and then the last one is vectors. What I mean by that is insects. Diseases, weed seeds. Um, I don't know of anybody with a fence high enough to can exclude all those things. <laughs> um, I'll share uh, an experience of a rancher. I think I started to and I never did. A rancher, there were two big ranches side by side. The only thing that divided them was a fence. And they both had problems, soil, you know, soil condition problems. They just saw them differently. They had significant Canada thistle problems. And the one, the one rancher decided that he was going to change the conditions in the soil. He was going to restore the right balance to his soil. And it took him about three or four years, and the Canada thistle went away. He didn't go out and spray it with an herbicide. He didn't, um, he didn't, um, Go out and have there somebody chopping it out, chopping it out. See, we're fighting the symptom again. The, 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 the rancher across the, the fence didn't do that. And it's almost humorous the, the way it, it played out. They would go out and spray herbicides, and it would come back. I mean, there's, been actually, there's actually been whole states that determined that they were going to eradicate Canada thistle, and they went out and sprayed the whole state and declared that they had victory until springtime spring came. <laughs> and it came back everywhere. They had, they had killed it because they didn't change the conditions. And so within, by the time he got the right conditions, it just stopped expressing itself. There were reasons, and we're going to see that when we get to that. Uh, but on the other side of the fence, they chose to fight the symptoms rather than correct the causes. And so they'd spray it, and it'd come back, and they'd chop it, and it'd come back. And there was one that was particularly annoying right up by the house. It would grow up, a big can of thistle grow up right by the house and the, and the owner. It was just like a, a, you know, a thumb and you know, <laughs> its nose at him. Like, basically what it was doing is I'm trying to tell you something here and you're not listening and you're not seeing. Um, so he had his hired hands dig it out. 
uh, and it came back. So they dug it deeper, a couple feet deep, and it came back. They dug it three feet deep, poured kerosene on it, put a can on top of it, and it came back. If you don't change the conditions, you're not going to change the effects. If you don't change the causes, you're not going to change the effects. Again, it comes back to the, the character and whether it's correctly constructed or not. And so a lot of people, I don't spend my time understanding all the effects. I spend my time understanding the causes and how, what the causes should be because you, you can take care of the effects if you understand the causes. So as far as keeping the bugs off of your land, as far as keeping the diseases off of your, your land and your plants, the weed seeds from blowing in, like I said, I haven't found anybody with a fence high enough that can do that. And again, we're in the world, but we're not to be of the world. So we, we, don't, we can't isolate ourselves from it. We can only um, change what we are ourselves so that it, it, will, it will prevent these things. We'll see. We'll, I'll talk about it more when we get there. Well, um, this is a dilemma because I had half of my crop eaten this year by deer. Um, I'll, I'll share a couple things. One of them we'll share with when we do the disease, pest, and insect pressure. But um, look, they're all starving too. And, and contrary to, to humans, the rest of nature um, knows what's good for them. And so it's amazing, it's amazing how they can find their way to it. And so they know... And, you know, we'll think, we, we plant these specific crops out there for, for livestock, and then they go out and eat the weeds. They don't eat what we planted because they know what's nourishing. We call them weeds. I'll save that for when we get to it. Um, so, yeah, it's, this is another, probably you could put in here, environmental influences. You've got large animals coming in, raccoons, deer, elk. Yeah, I know out at Eden Valley, uh, they put that one big fence up because they had a herd of elk like 200 elk that came in there, and they just didn't leave. <laughs> they were eating so good that they just just took up residence right there. And uh, um, But the, it, the thing is, I, I try to look at, you know, I don't want to deny other life nourishment, but if I can't, if I can't grow anything and, and provide the livelihood from it, well, I have that dilemma too. This happened to me once in Tennessee, and I just prayed to the Lord and said, look, and I, I, there was deer out there eating my green beans. I said, can we make a deal here? I'll grow, I'll plant extra here for you, and I'll plant this here for me. And if you'll just leave this alone, you can, you, you're more than welcome to have that. And they left it alone. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, it's hard for us to accept that type of divine intervention. Mm-hmm. I, it happens. And that's one of the types of interventions that, that I'm more than happy to accept any time I can get it. But... Um, you know, exclusion, you might have to exclude them with, a, with the fence. Come up with the techniques to... They seem to always find a way around it, though. Yeah. Um, because they are hungry. They want to eat. My goal where I am is to try to you know, fertilize ground that I'm not growing on so that the grasses and the legumes and everything are just as nourishing out there. And they'll, they'll go out and eat. Go out and eat there. I don't want to deny them. It's, it's a dilemma for me as to what to do, we're going to have to exclude, put an exclusion fence around part of it because we have to eat too. <laughs> and, you know, the world is just in that place. It's desperate. It's, it's starving. It's hungering and thirsting for righteousness. And it's not finding it anywhere. And that's what we need to offer to the world. Um, but, yeah, it, it is. I'm sure other people could testify to the issues that, that are, we're having for that. 
But what we need to get to the place is that we're, we're pressed down and we're overflowing. We're so fully functional, and we're going to see that in this pyramid that John Kempf did, that we're overflowing to the point that we can nourish other people. That we're not, it's not a self-preservation mentality. You know, we're in that mode of self-preservation because there's not enough for everybody. That's not the condition God created. And so we need to create the conditions where there's, there's enough for us and a whole bunch of other people. Um, or deer. Or raccoons. Or... Okay, any other questions on that? Yeah. Uh, what about changing soil conditions to get rid of the root of grass? Is that possible? Yes. We'll get, yeah, we'll get to that. Okay. Let me get to the other um, file here. For the sake of you folks that haven't been in the class the whole time, one of the objectives, is you, if you're following a correct model, you will get to the place where you're fully functional, where disease pressure goes away, where insect pressure goes away, where weed pressure goes away because of your knowledge and the conditions. Now, if there's a, if there's a million weed seeds in every square foot of soil, now first of all, we say we call them weeds, but they're, that we call them weeds because they're growing where we don't want them to. Um, not all weeds, some weeds, some plants are deformed. The devil can't create anything from nothing. All he can do is take what God created and deform it. And so we need to understand that some things are behaving in a deformed way, but weeds are not necessarily weeds because they're evil. Um, you'll find that actually, those, as we see here when we get to the weeds, they're actually growing there trying to restore a waste place. Okay. I don't know if you can read this. Um, you can get it by going to advancingecoag.com. It's not on there. You can ask me afterwards if you want to get this. There's a lot of, he, he's got a lot of our good, good information on that site. Uh, I think he's got like his 20 principles that, that are really good to read and to take in. Um, but this was done by John Kem from Advancing Ecoag. He's a young Amish farmer and consultant now uh, that is very well known in the... Uh, mainstream organic movement and probably most of you have never heard of him uh, I think he is now so John Kempf K-E-M-P-F I asked him when he was going to do a training where I could sit down I went and listened to a presentation of his um, uh, I was the only English there. It was all Amish at an Amish a meeting house. Uh, but he, he's, a, he's a, very, a very sharp guy, a very knowledgeable, spiritual person, I think. Um, and he did this, he did this chart. I, I, there's some other things that he's done, but I, I, for, they wound up left at home that I didn't get on here. Um, optimal nutrition enables advanced function in plants. As soils and crops transition towards biological farming practices, they pass through stages of increasingly better health. The progression towards better health restores the natural and biological abilities of the plant and soil system. Innate characteristics and advanced functions are enabled, such as immunity to soil and airborne pathogens, resistance to insects, production of lipids, which strengthen cell membranes for tastier, more storable fruit. And if you look down at the bottom, if we wish to produce food as medicine, 
this is where the medicine is. Um, one of my hopes is that we can get our understanding of food production to the place where our health centers can benefit. Nutrition is our medicine. And, and uh, I share this. There's, there's basically only four, four kind of interventions. Now, there may be something else that I haven't seen, but the first one is the suppressive interven- interventions or the time-buying interventions. If you want to be belligerent, the message killers. Um, but they just buy you time. And the danger with those is they suppress the effect. And so then you're not so mindful of the need to understand the cause. You, you get the notion or the idea. Our world is saturated with these kind of um, interventions so that we're not mindful of reality around us and what's really happening. But there's those type of interventions. They buy you time, and there's a place for them, especially as, as bad off as we are. Then there's cleansing interventions. Cleansing interventions are highly valuable because, you know, there's some pretty dirty stuff out there that needs to be cleaned up. Sanitation, hygiene, and nourishment is how you prosper in life. And the the, the third intervention is nourishment. And I think I've been to a lot of health centers. I've been around a lot of stuff. And I can tell you every single place, the weak link is the food. And it doesn't matter if you're using the right foods. You can't hardly concentrate the right foods enough, like in juicing or something like that. You can't hardly concentrate them enough now to get adequate nourishment. The mineral content in foods has dropped, depending on whose numbers you take, since over the last 50 to 75 years, about 50 to 70%. It's amazing we can even function still. It's just, it's gone. The nourishment is gone out of there. So even like... Gerson, who was using the juicing and the concentrated juicing, is really just concentrating nutrition. Mm-hmm. Um, even that methodology is having a harder and harder time because you just can't get enough. And so I would love to see our, our schools and our health centers and all of that. Agriculture is foundational to that. You can't get away with it. I know people, um, I hope that my message tomorrow will help you see how important agriculture is. Um, and it, because sometimes it eludes us that why is this why is this important for us? But um, those are the ner- those are the healing interventions, the restorative interventions. And there's a fourth one, and that's divine intervention, and that's up to God. We can we can appeal to Him for that, and if it's a, if it's appropriate according to Him, then then He'll give that type of intervention, and I believe He does, but He doesn't do it to to overcome ignorance. He might do it to overcome nescience. What that means is that the truth has been, you, isn't available to you and, and you're being taken advantage of. And I believe in that situation, God will overrule that. But if it's a situation of ignorance, you know what happens if you take the symptoms away? What do we do? What do we tend to do? Not everybody, but what do we tend to do? We go right back to what we were doing before because it's not affecting us anymore. We don't perceive that it's affecting us. And perception is the key word there. It's actually affecting us. It's just that we're not perceiving it because the symptoms, the effects are suppressed. So let's go up this chart. Number one, the first priority is successful photosynthesis. You have to have the conditions where the plant can fully photosynthesize, can maximize its energy production. Uh, And that that leads to the formation of complete, complex carbohydrates such as pectins and other polysaccharides 
which build resistance to soil-borne fungal pathogens such as Fusarium, Altenaria, Verticillium, et cetera. Um, the second level, production of complete proteins, transfer of sugars through roots to soil microbes who release nutrients in a plant-available form. It increased, increased resistance to insects with simple digestive systems. Okay, by down here, by successful photosynthesis, by having the right amount of energy, you can build the right structures. And when you build the right cell wall, uh, it can't be penetrated. Disease organisms use a, 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 a digestive enzyme that they exude onto the surface of the cell. It, it, it's actually designed to break down the fat, the, the, the lipid layer designed to break it down so they have an access point to get in. Well, if the calcium in the silicon level is at its right level there, is it's built right, the calcium just shuts down that enzyme. And it never even can start. It just shuts it down. And uh, you'll see up here, and also the, the thicker the lipid layer, well, the longer you've got to go to get through there. So even if you start penetrating, you're, you, but you're not going to make it far enough, you're going to get cut off before you can, before you can get there. Um, okay, so this, this concept, when I was saying that it's, it's this carbon induction and the, the, the metabolic byproducts of the microbes, which is, is what the plant is looking for, it's the, 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 the minerals um, complex by organic carbon. That's what the, because it's now built into the, con, the, the, the constructs that the plant needs and it's more, done more efficiently, which saves energy. It saves the energy. And the plant takes it up that way and can build it into its, into its structure. And that energy that's saved will go up to, uh, well, over here in number two, it says resistance to aphids, white flies, and larval insects such as cabbage worm, earworm, alfalfa weevil, tomato hornworm, and many others is achieved when you have proper protein construction. They can't digest it. They, they don't have the sophisticated digestive systems to digest it, and what happens is it will break down into ammonia and alcohol. The sugars break down into alcohol. The proteins break down into ammonia, and it kills them. And so they're smart enough, again, that they stop eating. Um, my potatoes, when I grew them out in Colorado, I would have potato beetles show up. Uh, but at th that point, I didn't bother. I didn't even go out and pick them off or anything like that because within a couple, three days, they weren't there anymore because they figured it out that, you know, this is not a food source. I'm not going to get to eat here. And so they left. Uh, they'll actually, uh, I, John told us uh, an experience with this where they went out into, out into a field where they did some foliars. Now, he, he comes from the plant side, and he wants to do it from the plant side and help the soil through the plant. I think that it's more efficient and effective to help the soil first and let the soil help the plant. You may need to do some interventions with the plant to help it along until you get the, the, the construction that you need to, to do that. But he was telling me the field they went out into, they were potato beetles, after they did the foliars, they went out and checked, it. there was, you know, an infestation of potato beetles on the field, and they went in and put the foliars on, uh, and with it, they went out a week later, and they were blown up potato beetles all over the field, because what happened with ammonia and alcohol? You're about creating a bomb. And he said there were potato beetles just blown up all over the place, out, out all over the, the, uh, the field. 
and they didn't come back for the, for the rest of the year. Now they had to do the foliar interventions because they didn't have the soil conditions to maintain that function in the plant. Otherwise the plant would have done it already. They wouldn't have to do that. I don't remember what he said they put on. I think they actually put some sea shield on, which is a, is a micronized um, shrimp and crab shell material. So, and it was silicon that they were trying to get primarily out of it, but there's a lot of other nutrients that they were getting out of it. I think there was another, some other material they put on. Um, number three, storage of surplus energy. This is the progression that takes place. This is, we're getting to the place where you're pressed down and you're overflowing. You're functioning at a level much beyond what you need yourself. If, you, if you're not at this level, you're not mindful of anything going on around you or anybody around you. You're consumed with yourself and just trying to make it through the day. But we, this is where we need to get to. Um, number three, storage of surplus energy. Energy is stored in the form of lipids, fats, and oils. Lipids build strong cell membranes for increased resistance to all airborne pathogens, parasites, disease, and UV radiation. So number three, resistance to downy mildew, powdery mildew, late blight, and others as well. Bacterial invaders such as fire blight, scab, rust, bacterial speck, and bacterial spot just to name a few. There's a whole, I mean, you could, you could spend your whole lifetime just trying to study all these um, symptoms. And I would encourage you, I, I wouldn't discourage you from understanding how all these funk work, but I would encourage you to figure out how to avoid them from ever showing up in the first place. And then go if you have the extra time to study the, the, uh, uh, the other. Just wanna make sure we're, we got a couple more minutes, so we'll try to get this finished there. And then number four, production of plant secondary metabolites, PSMs are called. PSMs act as plant protectants to guard against ultraviolet radiation, disease, and insect attack. And they also, um, Larry, they also, when they get to a high enough level, discourage herbivorous eating, the, the eating of the plants by herbivores. Um, well, I think what probably happens is they get a whole, they get plenty with a little bit. And so they don't. One of the interesting things, if you look at, if you look at um, livestock feeding studies, animal feeding studies, that the higher quality of the nutrition, the less they eat. This is one of the things when you're working with people who don't have a lot of money, that are poor, um, I communicate to them, look, this is going to cost you more. But you're going to need less. And so it all balances out. And in fact, the better your health improves, the more, the more resources you're going to be able to save yourself not expending them on the dysfunction. And so you'll net, have a net gain by being properly nourished. In fact, there was a dairy in Australia that was milking 1,000 head of cattle, and, and uh, they decided that they needed to address this because they were having all kinds of problems with the animals. And after four years of... of restoring proper mineralization to their pastures and proper soil construction, they were making a million dollars a year more. But the interesting thing is where they were making the million dollars. They were, they were making a couple hundred thousand of it um, in increased milk quality. They were already pushing the animals. They, I mean, they pushed those poor dairy cows now. They're lucky if they last six months anymore, whereas they used to milk them for years. Um, so they didn't get increased yield, but they got increased quality. $800,000 of the million dollars came from saved drug and vet bills. <laughs> Save drug and vet bills. 
And so this is what I communicate to people when I'm, when I'm working with them because it costs us more to produce this kind of food. But I want to make sure that uh, uh, one thing I do is I want to make sure I can produce as much as I possibly can, as, as efficiently as I can, so that I can make it as affordable as many people as I can. Um, but I also communicate to my customers what we do and why we do it and what the benefits will be. And it's a hard, it's a hard um, sell until they eat it. I actually had a customer who would buy 20 pounds of tomatoes a week for himself. And he came up one day, and he didn't, I mean, he didn't look like a well-to-do person or anything like that. And, and I think I shared this up front yesterday. It, it, or maybe I didn't. Um, and he said to me, he said, he said, you know, I can't afford these tomatoes, but I can't afford them. I can't not afford them. He said, I feel so much better when I, when I eat this. And so I said, well, you know, if you're buying that much, I think I can give you a better price. <laughs> And I did, because I was pressed down and overflowing. I didn't, you know, I, ha- I should share another one here, and then we finish this up because we have time. Uh, I had a customer come down really upset. I was at a market, and they were really upset, and you could tell that they were really upset. And I, they were coming down and started looking at produce on our stand, and, and I said, what's the matter? And she said, I bought these. She was carrying them. I saw she had this bunch of beets. She was carrying this bunch of beets. She said, um, I bought these bunch of beets from this grower up there last week, and I got them home, and they were all rotten inside. They were black inside. Not enough boron. had black rot in the middle. Um, sodium can contribute to that, too. But. And he said, I, I said, asked them for uh, a, a refund or an exchange, and they said, you know, all sales are final. Didn't even just offer an, another bunch of beets. I mean, how self-preserving can you get? And I said to her, I said, well, look, it's not worth that aggravation. Just grab a bunch of Arby's. <laughs> and she said, she looked at me like, what planet are you from? <laughs> Did I have responsibility for that? No, I didn't have responsibility for that. But I had the ability to change that person's life. And so it changed her life. She became a customer from then on. <laughs> and that wasn't my intention. Um, that really wasn't my intention. My, my goal is the evangelism, ministry too, to, to give people the idea that there is something you can trust so that then you can trust more things. And that would always happen. You'd have people, they'd start talking about their personal needs and what I what we thought about them and spiritual things. Um, you wouldn't think it would happen, but folks, you can do the same thing with food. You can do a spiritual truth because they're both the same thing if they're properly, properly um, constructed and offered. Okay, so let's get this because we've got to quit here. Um, Production of plant secondary metabolites, that's the fourth level here. PSMs act as plant protectants to guard against ultraviolet radiation, disease, and insect attack. The production, these are essential oils. The production of phytoalexins in stage four is based on the lipids produced in stage three. These aromatic essential oils that we know them as, um, compounds, terpenes, phenolics, bioflavonoids, it's a lot of those, those things that we say are good for you, antioxidants, all those kind of things are natural plant protection compounds that contain pesticidal properties of their own. 
resistance to cucumber beetles, Colorado potato beetles, and Japanese beetles, production of advanced antifungal compounds and digestion inhibitors result at this level. And when you get up to this level where you have the surplus, you're pressed down and you're overflowing. That's when your carbon induction starts. And from your own experience, you begin building oil in the lamp, that humus in the soil. Uh, and with time, you can build a, a huge store. And it can happen. You know, you're told that humus formation takes years and decades and so on. I know farmers that have, have increased by one and two percentage points in three or four years, their humus levels, if the soil is properly constructed. Um, so it doesn't have to take forever for that to happen. We just haven't experienced that. And so our conclusion is it can't happen. But we don't understand it correctly. Um, so to, uh, let's see. Yeah, let's just stop there because we need to look at weeds. So there's your solution to the insect and disease pressure. If the soil is properly constructed and the plant is functioning at a fully functional level, it will just change the conditions and will eliminate those things. And I have been there. So if anybody wants to come up and tell me it can't happen, I'm, you're not going to convince me. And I, like I share with some of you, I've been on a 7,000-acre farm that is now experiencing that. So it's not a matter of scale either. Um, and the same thing, we'll look at the weeds when we come back uh, let's see, after lunch, I guess it'll be, we'll finish this up and we need to get on to the last two sessions there. But this is where the, where this is where the medicine is. This is where the healing will come from. Um, and this is where you'll go into the marketplace. If you're make, you have a livelihood from this, you'll go into the marketplace and you will bring something better. So, I mean, the organic movement in the world has already co-opted the, the uh, origination of this idea of better nutrition and, and uh, local food and all that. They already have it. We didn't initiate it. We missed that boat. Um, but we can go into the marketplace and bring something better, something that they do not have. And we can bring you something better, not only in nourishment, physical nourishment, but we have a whole lot more to offer. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. So don't, yeah, you don't want to wait because the spirit that you come to the marketplace with will affect them as well. It's, not, it's our cells, too, not just the food that we're bringing. Let, let me just finish and people can go and then uh, because we're already over. Okay. I thought of putting a phrase on a, on a packaging label, better than organic. There's actually a friend, I actually do soil work for uh, a man up near Berrien Springs, Michigan, and that's what he calls his farm, better than organic. Yeah, you know him. Do you call yours that too? No, no, no. Okay. I was just thinking you could put that on your labels. Yeah, people ask me, what do I think about? And I don't mean anything derogatory by anybody. Please don't go out here and say, I was saying, oh, so-and-so's doing this. So, you know, I had somebody ask me, what do you think about veganics? And I said, if it, if it restores a complete and, and, and balanced growing system, wonderful. Go for it. If it doesn't, it doesn't matter what label you put on it. So I'm not saying that it's good or bad. I'm just saying I have people come and ask me, what do you think about this, calling it this and calling it that and everything else. You can call it whatever you want. If it's not in harmony with truth, if it's not in harmony with reality, then clever names or whatever, it doesn't, it might be. It might be, and it's actually contributing to that. I'm just saying that, that um, 
we can believe whatever we want. But you can also go and jump off a cliff and believe that gravity is not going to work either. And you're going to find out that it does. So let's, let's pray real quick and then I'll let you guys get to lunch. Father in heaven, we're again thankful that uh, you desire that we know and understand and that you want us to not only know and understand you, but that you want us to act in accordance to that knowledge and understanding. And I just pray even if it's hard for us to do that, even if we have a lot of obstacles to doing that, that you would, you would help us to have the care, the love in our hearts towards you and towards humanity that we would, we would pursue whatever we need to pursue to uh, fulfill that purpose, which is your purpose. In Jesus' name, amen. This media was brought to you by Audioverse, a website dedicated to spreading God's word through free sermon audio and much more. If you would like to know more about Audioverse, or if you would like to listen to more sermons, please visit www.audioverse.org.